So we are at the sheep and the goats. The sheep and the goats, you, you know which, one, which flock you want to be in, right? Well, if you don't know it now, you will know it soon. So I want to read the scripture and get right to the text. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations. And He will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will place the sheep on His right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me, and I was thirsty, and, I'm sorry, inherit the kingdom prepared to you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? Verse 38, And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to the one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. It's twice that this phrase is in this passage in 40 and 45. Verse 41, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. And then they will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? And then he will answer them saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to the one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And all these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Lord, I pray that you'd bless the reading and the preaching of God's Word. I pray that you'd open our hearts and our minds to these ancient words that are every bit as true and applicable today as they were 2,000 years ago when Jesus Christ spoke them. We thank you for your word. We pray that we'd be faithful in preaching it, hearing it, and applying it. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. So, is there any doubt after reading that scripture twice that the Lord Jesus Christ is describing the great judgment day. The great judgment day and the circumstances surrounding that judgment day. We've been talking about being ready and being prepared and being watchful 
And now we're getting to the reason why we're to be that way. Because this is a, this is a serious day. There are few scripture anywhere more solemn and heart-searching than this one. We have arrived at Jesus' last recorded teaching. You know what that means? He's about to go to the cross. He has had his face set towards Jerusalem. He's going to the cross for a purpose. With a purpose. It is called a parable, but really, strictly speaking, it is a powerful description of the last judgment. A powerful description. It has symbolic elements of a shepherd, sheep, and goats. The account is only found in Matthew, and it deserves our closest attention. So we want to we pay close attention to this text. All of chapter 5 is a continual reference to the second coming of Christ and the end of the world. Look, Brother Bob, how many times in your lifetime has there been some real anticipation that the end of the world might be near? Four or five times? And, and we're surely at one of those times in our, in our lives that, that it seems like, I, I said it last week, look, we could, we could be in World War, III just like, World War III just like that. There could be an atomic bomb. There could be a dirty bomb any minute. We, we are that wicked. The wickedness of man is great in the earth. We are that close. So, in the parable of the virgins, we looked at waiting and being prepared. You know, we found out in those five wise and five foolish that there's not just waiting, there has to be a what? A preparedness to that waiting. We don't want to wait in vain. In the parable of the talents, we looked at working. Doing with what God has given us, what would bring Him the most honor and glory, what would advance His kingdom. And in today's passage of the sheep and goats, we look at service, 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 and the judgment to come. Obviously, we're looking at service from this scripture. So let's get right into the exposition of the text. Verses 31 through 33. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, Wow, can you imagine that? The Lord Jesus Christ stepping out on the cloud in glory and all the angels with him. You think anybody's going to miss that? Nobody's going to miss that. And then he will sit where? On his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations. I want you to get that. It'll be just like individuals at the judgment the same way with nations. No nations will get to opt out of this. They're all going to be called before the throne of God. And he will separate people one from another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Our Savior, having spoken much before of his spiritual kingdom, it's about to come about. He now tells them what kind of kingdom he will set up and what kind of exercise will go on at the end of the world, the judgment. And you know, I, I was thinking about the, 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 the Jews 
were waiting for a Messiah to come and deliver them from the Romans. Are y'all with me? And here's what's been in my mind this week. What low expectations they had. Did you hear me? They had low expectations. He's not just going to be the king of the Roman government, but he's going to be the king and the judge of all government. So, so sometimes we just have low expectations. This is going to be a glorious event. This is going to be an event that we don't want to miss, we're not going to miss, and this is an event that we want to be on the right side of God. This is a huge deal. I'd never thought about, you know, the, the, uh, the Jews, they, they just wanted the Roman government to go away. And so because they had this expectation of the Roman government being uh, subdued and them having their freedom again, we've had low expectations of what this is going to look like. It's much greater than that. Far different from what the Jews had dreamed of. It was, it was not even what his disciples had suspected or maybe even what we expect. I think we've had a low expectation of what's going to happen when Christ returns. Did y'all hear me? He's going to return our, our, our suffering servant, the one who died, the one who was in the tomb for three days, the one who has ascended. He is coming in all glory. Jude 14 says this, It was also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his holy ones. That's just a, an innumerable number that will come with him. Second Thessalonians 1.7 says, And to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Close your eyes and think about that. I mean, wake up. Wake up during the night and there he is on the cloud and this, this entourage is coming with him. There'll either be some shouting or some trembling. Then shall he sit after the manner of the greatest of kings and princes upon the throne of his glory. We can't imagine it, can we? We sang that song, I Can Only Imagine. We, we really can't. He will appear in great splendor. Before Him will be gathered all nations. All persons that ever were or were at that time in the world, He will bring before Him the quick and the dead. That just means the dead and the living. Acts 10, 42. And He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that He is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. He has been appointed by God Almighty as the judge. 1 Peter 4, 5. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Matthew 13, 30. You remember this uh, several months ago, uh, years ago. Maybe we looked at this. Maybe you remember how it's going to take place. Talking about uh, the wheat and the tares and it's all going to work out at the harvest time. Well, this is it. Matthew 13, 30, let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. 
but gather the wheat into my barn. He will separate them one from another. So I, I can't imagine uh, of all the different breeds of goats and the different breeds of sheep. Brother Bob's been more in sheep country than we have. I don't know of anybody in here that's expert on sheep and goats. But I'm sure that there's probably some variations of sheep and goats that just don't looking, you might think it's a goat and it's a sheep or vice versa, right? Well, when, when they took them out to, to graze because of the different personalities of the sheep and the goats, the, the goats would be put in one group and the sheep in another, but during the day they might mingle together. And so because they, didn't, they weren't compatible to, to, to be in the, the pen tonight together, the sheep and the goats together, when they came in to go into their, their places, the shepherd separated them, sheep from the goats. And he, he knew exactly what he was doing because he had done it before. He had seen it many times. So as a shepherd who grazes both sheep and goats and at night separates them, listen carefully, so the saints of God, like sheep for whiteness, gentleness, or innocence, are in this world with stinking, lascivious goats, the wicked of the world. We, we are in the world, and the wicked look just like we do. Or we look just like they do in appearance-wise. You with me? But God's going to separate perfectly the sheep from the goats. No mistakes will be made. That's going to happen. Yet on the day of judgment, they will be separated. He will set the sheep on his right hand, the place of honor and dignity, the place of favorites, the flags up here, the places of honor. Christ will exalt his saints to great honor and dignity. Listen, and they will rule and reign with him. Are you all ready for this word? Forever. There's things we must remember. It was such an important thing for the Jews to remember the Passover. It's so important. Somebody tell me, it's so important that we take out at least one Sunday a month to remember the broken body and the shed blood. We need to stop and remember, even though it's been 10,000, 2,000 years it's going to happen. We need to be talking about it's going to happen. Our children do not need to go to bed tonight worrying or wondering about what if Christ comes again. There's an article in the Godly Home Book, and you read it kind of superficially, and it's Charles Spurgeon and what, what is the exact title of it? Maybe Jeannie can help me. Uh, it, it, anyway, it's about the responsibility of parents reminding their Jewish children about the Passover, about the blood and the blood that was shed and put, putting on the, the lentils and on the doorpost. They, they explain that to their children every year over and over again. And so why is it in this godly home book? 
because there are things that we need to constantly be talking to our children about. Not me. I don't have, an, I don't have enough time before them. Death. Judgment. The sudden return of Christ. That's what our children need to be hearing from us. From you. You need to go home this morning and tell them, I believe that scripture. Did you hear what the preacher said? Are you going to be on the right or the left? They don't care what I think, but they care what you think. But the goats on the left, the wicked to shame and contempt forever. Matthew Poole says the right-hand men of the world will be at the left hand of Christ. Just, y'all hear that? Matthew Poole says, the right-hand men of the world shall be at the left hand of Christ. I, I, I can call some wicked men out. And of this world, they got it going on. Oh, let me tell you, they're going to be at the left hand of Christ on the day of judgment. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. So at that moment, it, it shall be seen that these people are people of no understanding. Listen, people who have no fear of God, just listen to them. Matter of fact, they're, they're, they're arrogant, they're boastful, they're, they're, they ridicule God. Did you hear me? Listen, they, they are fools. And at the day of judgment, they will be found out to be fools. He that created, all of us could raise our hand. He who, he that created us, them, will show no favor to them who despise him and do not fear him. They'll have no favor. Verse 34, then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Y'all hear that, young people, you hear that word, come, come. At the judgment day, we're going to come. Either go left or go right. Come, young people, you must come to Christ now, adults. You must come to Christ now in this dispensation while there's an opportunity to come to Christ. Come. You who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. The King, the Son of Man, will then sit on the throne of His glory, and He will say to His saints, to those on the right hand, those whom He designs to honor and to favor, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Listen, if we are here today, we're blessed. If we're here today, 
understanding at all that we're sinners in need of a Savior and we see ourselves as being that sinner and Jesus Christ is that Savior, did you know you're blessed people? Not everybody understands that. That's understanding that only comes from God. And what can we do? We can say, thank you, Lord. Listen to the words. There has been a kingdom. Oh, please listen to me. There's been a kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the earth, from the foundation of the world. Don't overlook it. Don't let it pass by. Grasp it. You know, I, I love that scripture in, in, in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. Uh, the kingdom of God is at hand. Listen, when you hear scripture like this, the kingdom of God is at hand. Don't let it pass by. What we're talking about is not purchased by works. Listen to this. This kingdom was prepared for you before you were ever thought about. Do you hear me? From the foundation of the earth, it was prepared for you. Just think about that for a moment. Before we were thought of by our parents, we were in our Father's eternal thoughts. If you're one of His sheep, if you're one that has come, He prepared a kingdom for us. But we must come and inherit it. Take hold of it. Become a part of it here. Judgment Day, you can't, oh, I want to get in that line over there. You've got to get in that line over there today before judgment comes. That which was freely given to you, that which you could not buy or purchase, there it is, Christ, Him crucified. Christ and His shed blood for my sins. Verse 35, For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. Verse 36, I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came, came to me. Then the righteous will answer Him saying, Lord, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to the one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. I tell you, we're going to look at that little phrase next week. So the recompenses of the last judgment are according to the tendency of our works or our actions or our character. Now hang on to that. We're going to look at that also, works, as far as works being a basis for, for salvation. We know it's not so. So how does, how does the works fit in here? Well, just hang on. Our tendencies... In how we live this life out, are y'all listening? Now, hang on. The tendencies, the manner in which these we live this life out will be some indication of the heart. 
in like manner, if we live it out for our glory and for our honor and for worldly things, also those things that we live out for, we will get what we deserve, the things of the world. What's important to us today? So what's he talking about? The king here gives the reason of his gracious, rewarding sentence. Why did he do this? Why did he, why did he give them left and give them right? We're going to flesh this out over the next few weeks, so hang tight. And here's what he says. Clearly, I was hungry and you what? Gave me food. That's pretty clear. So the reward is either the most free and rich mercy of God, the most perfect righteousness and sacrifice of Christ, or we earned it. What do we know? We didn't what? We didn't earn it. Too precious, too valuable. So what was it? It was the absolute most free and rich mercy of God and the perfect of righteousness and sacrifice of Christ. But listen, listen carefully now. The good we do are only infallible signs that the performers of them have been and are the objects of the divine favor of Almighty God in His predestination. What we do is just an indication that we have had the favor of God bestowed upon us. What did I have that I did not what? Receive. Now, let me say that again. The good we do are infallible signs that the performers of those good deeds are the objects of God's divine favor. If I'm anything at all, if I'm any godliness and a godly man at all, it's not of my doing, it's of God's work in me. It's proof that we're truly united to Christ. Listen, if you have no compassion at all for the least of these, did you hear me? If you have no compassion at all for the least of these, now listen, he says the least of these brothers, if you can come and fellowship and sit with and sing with brothers and sisters in Christ that have a real legitimate need and not be moved, there's something wrong. If you can't have, if you can't, if you can't get a phone call about a, a family that needs the church to have the funeral of a seven-week-old that got killed in a tragic way, if, if that doesn't just touch your heart a little bit, and if you don't want to do something just a little bit to ease the pain, come on now. There's something wrong with that picture. But if we have it, 
Who do we receive it from? Who gets the glory? God is said to be faithful and just. 1 John 1, 9b says he is faithful and just. Matthew Poole says this, he knows the hardness of men's heart. Did you hear that? Guys, if I have a hard heart, I may hide it from you, but I will not hide it from God. Neither will you. The poor we will always have with us. Y'all hear that? You, you, can, you, you can have all the reparations you want. You can distribute the wealth any, any number of times that you want it, any different ways, but in a few months you'll always have what? What does it say? The God's Word says that. John 12, 8, For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. Matthew 26, 11, For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. Those who live godly will be out of favor of the world. And listen, the world has no concern for anybody except who? Yeah, come on now. The world has no concern for anybody except them. There you go. That's the world. It's all about me. It's all about what I can get. It's all about what I can do. Number three, Matthew Poole says, He knew how acceptable the taking care of the poor was to the Father. Tell me you've read the Bible 20 times and you don't understand that the taking care of of the sick and the afflicted and the poor is important to God. It just is. Especially the brothers. Isaiah 58, 7. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house? When you see the naked, to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh. Micah 6, 8, he has told you, O man, what is good, what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. 1 John 3, 17, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? So what would be the answer to that? Doesn't. I told you next week we'll look directly at the least of these. So the answer is in verse 37. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? You know what, you know what they're, they're saying? I had no idea I did that. When did I do that? You know, that's what we want our works to look like, do we not? Remember the Pharisees? They wanted to attract the crowd. They wanted to be loud. They wanted everybody to see it. We ought to be the exact opposite of that. You know, it, you know what this, this picture is to me? These people were before him, and they said, Oh, God, I'm ashamed that you've given me a reward. That, that should be our attitude. I've done so little. I'm ashamed even to be over here at the right. Why are you recognizing me? Is that not what, they, is that not what he, they were asking? Is that not what he's explaining? They're, they're saying, I've only done what any decent person would have done. And there are some good 
There are some good lost people out there that do good things, but they always, they never do it for the right reason. When we do something good, it better be for God's glory and the betterment and advancement of His kingdom. If not, we're wrong. When we receive our reward, if we do, we should only say, Lord, I just did what I ought to be doing. Can we not look around and say that? Matthew 10, 42. And whoever gives you... And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. This being chiefly shown to the brethren in the church, those that are living for the Lord. Uh, just having a discussion this morning over in the fellowship time about trying to help someone that has no desire to go on with the Lord. That is not our big objective. Somebody say amen. Our big objective is to help those that need help who are trying to go on with the Lord. And that's what he's talking about here. The brethren. But all we do must be done is to Christ. Who, who do you, what do you say? When you did it to one of these, you did it to who? Yeah, me. All that which is done to those who are his brethren. Verses 41 through 45. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. You know, I, I don't think we'd have ever got to this place. I, I don't think I would have ever got to this place. It's by the grace of God that I got to this place, that we got to this place. It still amazes me that when the angels sinned, he just cast them out of heaven. Yet when Adam and Eve sinned, he did what? He brought to them a sacrifice. There's no fixing of the angels' sin. There's no sacrifice. That, that, every time I read that, it amazes me. When they sinned, kicked out of heaven, that's their due. No sacrifice was offered. Is there? Y'all read one that I hadn't seen? Not for the angels. Depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? And then he will answer them saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to the one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. The great king and judge of the whole earth has given sentence to those on his right hand. I'm, a, I'm sorry, the, those on his left hand. Now his heirs will judge the world with him. So we've got the right hand, they'll judge the world with God. Heirs of his will judge the world with him. 
And Jesus now comes to sentence the goats on the left. You know where the right are? They're at his right hand. They're, they're, now they're a part of the judgment. Their judgment is to eternal misery. Can you read it any other way? Have you seen anywhere that it's not to eternal misery? Separated from God with no chance of reconciliation. The angels never had a chance for reconciliation. We have a chance for reconciliation. But at the moment of the judgment and the separation, there's no chance for reconciliation. None. To be in pain and misery worse than a consuming fire. Can you imagine burning up in a fire? I've never wanted to drown. I've never wanted to burn up. We're not talking about burning up in a fire. We're talking about being consumed in an eternal fire that never burns up the body. I told you this is some solemn scripture. Besides that, every sinner continues to sin to the utmost. All he desires is to sin more. Remember that in John? Because your deeds were wicked, your deeds were evil. The everlasting fire is said to be prepared for the devil and his angels. Why? Why? Why did he prepare hell for the devils and angels? Well, they sinned before Adam and Eve did. That's why it happened that way. And God tells them who they are. Here's who those are. Still, you are of your father the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. That's who we are as children of the devil. He is our father. And then God does that which is not necessary. Does God ever need to justify himself? But he does here. Listen to this. He justifies himself. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison you did not visit me. Listen. <laughs> Paul told me when he was about Joseph's age, we don't want what we deserve. We deserve death and eternal punishment. We, we, don't, we, we surely don't want to ask God, well, why am I condemned? Could there be a great list of things that we could be condemned for? So what we're looking at here, are y'all listening really closely? So here we see that sins of omission. Y'all rouse yourself just a tad here. There's no doubt that we know that uh, overt, intentional sins deserve the wrath of God, right? Especially unrepented of. But what we're looking at here is this, that sins of omission are enough to doom us. We just didn't do what we could have done. Taking care of distressed brothers and sisters 
are such sins of omission. And, and we can think about what other sins, in what other ways could we commit sins of omission? And we could just go on, on and on in our mind. So this, let's consider three things here. This is what happens to those who had an opportunity to do good and did not do it. And it's not coming to mind. I can't quote you the the verse, but uh, it's a scripture that talks about seeing a brother or sister in need and not meeting that need. That's what we're talking about here. This is what happens to those who had an opportunity to good and did not do it. They did not feed or give drink to the poor who belonged to Christ. We don't, listen, we don't want to miss an opportunity to do good for Christ and His kingdom. Number two, what happens to those, okay, so we just missed an opportunity. So now let's go back a little deeper. What happens to those who steal from the poor? If those will have their portion with the devil and his angels who did not entertain the poor and strangers, what shall become of them who are instruments of the banishment of the poor and making them strangers. Sins of omission and sins that we commit willingly knowing. Number three, remember the wise and wicked servants in Matthew 24, 45 through 30? What did they begin to do? They began to beat their fellow servants. So what, what this is teaching us here, if sins of, of omission not taking care of the poor and the needy can condemn us to hell. What about those overt things that we do in mistreating people or in just outright sin? What about those? Verse 44. Then they will also answer saying, Lord, when we see hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you. So I think it's interesting here that these people did not deny that they had refused to give bread to the hungry. They didn't say, I I didn't do that. It will be doubly hard for those that beat their fellow servants to give an explanation. But here's what they said. What did they say? When did we see you hungry or thirsty? Are y'all with me? You know what they're saying? I would have never done that to you, Lord. I've never done that to you. We'd like to think that, right? Well, listen to what he says. They said, we never saw Christ hungry. But what, he, what he's telling them is, but what you did not do, you did not care for mine. He's not here. Are y'all with me? He is at the right hand of the Father. So we've got to minister to who? He is here to be ministering to Him. Are y'all with me? He's not here in the flesh. They were absolutely, absolutely convinced they would have cared for Him. But listen to the Lord's answer. Verse 45, then He will answer them saying, Truly I say to you, As you did not do it to the one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. You see those that do not see nor have time for the poor, 
Are y'all with me now? Do you think we ought to have our eyes open to the opportunity to minister to people? Now, what keeps us from doing that? Let me tell you, the world, the busyness of the world, we're so consumed in just getting by, we don't see these things. The poor are here. Are you with me? And it's going to get worse. The poor are at our right hand. They fellowship with us. They pray with us. They go to church with us. They clean the church with us. They are among us. And, and he says, surely, you know what he's telling them? Surely you knew they were my sheep. Surely you knew they were mine. They heard my voice and followed me. You ought to know they're mine. Are y'all getting the drift of this? What a teaching. If we have no time for His, especially the have-nots, He will have no place for us. That is just the clear teaching of this Scripture. And I can tell you, I don't believe there's anybody in here that struggles with panhandlers any worse than I do. But you know what? I ain't seen one of y'all down there on the street corner. And I ought not have to. If you're in that plight, we ought to be knowing about it and we ought to be messing in your business. Amen? That's why you have a church. I really just want to tell those people, go get a job. So I, I mean, I've got some thinking to do too. Therefore go, he says, therefore go you cursed into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Now who are those cursed? Those that didn't take care of his sheep. Verse 46, and these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. No sleeping quietly in the graves for the rich. Those that's got it going on now, they're not just going go to go to sleep in that beautiful casket and they're just going to be there asleep for eternity. Show me that in the scripture. No, that last trump will awaken them. Y'all listen to me. No. The last trump, when he steps out on the cloud, everyone will be awakened by it. Everybody. No. They will not be outside the, the Lord's jurisdiction. All nations, all peoples, all tribes. Nobody's outside his jurisdiction. Oh, I'm just going to opt out. He will judge both the living and the dead. Not even, not even those before the law was given. At Mount Sinai will be exempt. Romans 1.20 says, For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in things that have been made. Listen to me. You're sitting here this morning and standing before God at judgment. You will be without excuse. And if I get this wrong, I'll stand before God without excuse. Listen, it just, 
it just strikes fear in me to look at some of you with this opportunity to step into the kingdom of God and you just sit there with a blank look on your face. It scares me to death that for eternity you're going to hear this message over and over again and know that you could have escaped this, the, the place of torment if you had just come to Jesus. They would go into everlasting punishment. But the righteous, those so judged, by who? By Christ. The righteous, those so judged as being righteous. We all know being made right by the imputation of the righteousness of Christ will enter into eternal life. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. So, listen to me. Here... When he comes on the cloud, it ends Christ's kingdom of grace. You still have an opportunity to step into the kingdom of God. But the moment that trump sounds, the moment you see him on the cloud, it's too late. When, it's, when that happens, he has then entered into his glory. All, his, all of his enemies will be put under his feet. None will remain but this glorious King, Him and those who are truly His. And this will be His eternal kingdom without end in which we will rule and reign with Him. Quickly, I want to give you seven points. The Son of Man will come in glory. Somebody say amen. If you don't believe that, if you didn't say amen, I'd like to visit with you after church. I want you to show me your reasoning. Verse 31 says, When the Son of Man comes in, what? You know what? That's just as certain as Him already coming. When He comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Number two, all nations and all peoples will be judged. Before Him will be gathered all the nations, and He will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Listen, those that pierced him, all will be separated. Within families, this one of this family will be the goat, the sheep, that one will be a goat. Sheep and goats, lost and saved, followers and pretenders will be separated. Spurgeon says there's only two books the Lamb's book of life, and the judges of the book of the death. Number three, only the blessed. Come you who are blessed by my Father, and care the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. I want you to think right now. You have not been brought under conviction this morning. Uh, you are convinced that you're saved, and I'm glad you are. You're, you're convinced of that. But here's what I want you to understand. You're blessed. You're blessed. You are super blessed that He opened your eyes. He opened your heart to Him. And you reached out and you took hold of Him. And you made Him the Lord and saved your life. You're blessed. Call yourself blessed. Don't call yourself anything but blessed. It's only by the grace of God. Number four. Our works are only evidences of our being saved. Y'all hear that? Works are only an evidence of your being saved. 
For I was hungry and you gave me food. This is the words of Jesus. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Number five, doing it without attention. Listen to what they said. Listen to the words of his followers. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you drink? You know what that means? We don't want any recognition. We want God to get all the glory. We want to be absolutely overlooked. And people look to what? Christ. We were just, I was talking to their brothers this morning. Listen, let me tell you what all of your friends that are in trouble need. They need Jesus. They don't need your solutions. They need Jesus. Or thirsty and give you drink. And when did I see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did you, when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? So why will we do it, be, be doing this? Listen to me. I, th- I think you may have this in your notes. Doing it because they love Christ. Why do you do what you do? Because you love Christ. Well, let me tell you, if you love Christ, let me tell you what that will transfer into. You're going to love His sheep. You with me now? Listen to me. You can't run around talking all the time about how much you love Christ and show no concern for His sheep. We do it because we delight in serving Christ and serving other people. These folks weren't even looking for rewards. Number six, when we do it to others, the have-nots, count it this way, we might as well be doing it to who? To him. Verse 40, and the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to the one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Number seven, everyone will get exactly what they deserve. The highest paid lawyer in Washington, D.C. Couldn't get you all. Only the one that suffered was hung on a cross, was pierced, was placed in a barred tomb, was there for three days, that was resurrected, that spent 40 days here, that's gone back to heaven. As, who is at the right hand of the Father interceding for us? He's the only one that can get us off from what we deserve. The only one. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. 